Retreat Church, it's good to bring the word of the Lord to you again. Grab your Bibles and turn to Acts chapter 2, and where we've been kind of camped out for a while and will until we celebrate the um, day of Pentecost, Pentecost Sunday, which is the 31st of this month, the last Sunday of the month. We're trying to get all we can out of, out of this text and out of just kind of sitting in this atmosphere um, while what was happening with the disciples during this time, they were sitting and waiting. And so we're just going to kind of sit with them for these next few weeks and uh, talk about this idea of the arrival of the Holy Spirit and what that brought to the church and what that continues to bring to us. And you know what I've noticed and when I was looking at this passage this week and thinking about how it really applies to how we're living today and what is going on, I began to think that when God fulfills His promises, He often needs to give us reminders. You see, like He makes a promise, time goes by, we being human tend to forget those promises, neglect the study of those promises. Life kind of takes on a, a form of its own and we get moving through and we get through these patterns and routines and ruts and things and then life gets a little chaotic and, and then God starts fulfilling His promises and we get a little confused and we know God's moving, we know He's doing something, there's something out of the ordinary going on, there's, there's something new going on, there's something fresh going on, there's something unexpected going on and then we have to kind of get some help getting back to God telling us, well, this is, this is nothing shocking. This is nothing that you shouldn't expect it because a long time ago I promised this. A long time ago I, I foretold this. And, and so I think that sometimes we, we need these reminders. And I think that's what Peter provides for his people here as he begins to preach and he begins to explain what has been going on in the day of Pentecost because on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came, there were these signs and wonders, and there's this ability, this new ability that people had from all over the world to understand the gospel being preached in their own language, and they were bewildered by that, and they were confused by that, and they didn't understand how these Galileans were speaking all these languages. And we looked at that passage in the last couple of weeks, and we noticed that it was the Holy Spirit that was providing that power, just as Jesus said, the power to proclaim in all of these places. And some of them even thought that, that they were drunk, thought that there was just this mass confusion. And so we know that sometimes Christians are accused of all sorts of things. In this text, they were accused of being drunk. And in other places, um, maybe Christians are accused of, of, of being unrealistic, of being fanciful, um, wish fulfillment, all of these things that Christians oftentimes are confused of. But every time a Christian is um, accused of these different things, I want you to know that there is a reasonable answer for what God does. We might not always understand it. It might take years as it unfolds for us to, to get a grasp of what God is doing and a sense of what He's doing. But when God is doing things, there is always a reasonable answer. And I think the Holy Spirit, and this would be the point of today's message, that the Holy Spirit provides the power to reasonably speak into the confusion and the chaos. So that's really where the church needs to kind of get a hold of 
these ideas and the promises of God, and we need to keep the promises of God before us in our minds and, and in our hearts, and then when, when chaos and, and life becomes what it is, and, and when God starts answering prayers and people get confused and there's accusations towards the church, that people within the family of God can stand up with power and authority that provided by the Holy Spirit and begin to speak reasonably into the chaos and the confusion and reminding people of what the Word of God says and of what the Word of God brings to every situation in our lives. And so this morning, I want to look at this idea in Acts chapter 2, verses 14 through 21. Let's read here. It says, But Peter standing with the eleven. Remember, they they'd begin to hear the gospel preached, and then some had said in verse 13 that they were, were filled with new wine. So in response to that accusation, Peter stands up. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was uttered by the prophet Joel. Okay, there's the promise. He's going to tell us what the Old, Old Testament prophet Joel said. He said, in these last days, it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams, even on my male servants and female servants. In those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy, and I will show wonders in the heavens above, and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor and smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness, and the moon into blood, before the day of the Lord comes, and the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved." It's a very powerful word from Peter. Peter simply standing up in the midst of accusation and saying, wait a minute, they're not drunk. The accusation is not accurate. God is fulfilling His promises. And let me remind you of the promise. And so that's what Peter does. And within this particular promise that God is fulfilling in this moment in history, we, get, we can have a few observations. And the first observation that I want to bring to your attention today is this. God's current activity makes sense of past actions. So a lot of times when God is doing things, and we have a whole record of that, we call it the Old Testament, and there's a lot of stories in the Old Testament that might seem kind of you know, weird, kind of like we want to push them aside, and kind of like, well, why would God go through such an extent and to such an extreme in this situation? Remember, all of the Old Testament, as we call it, is moving us into a direction, and it all finds meaning and fulfillment in Jesus. So remember, the whole Bible, both Testaments, both covenants, point directly to Jesus. And as we start looking at Jesus, and we see what happens in the life of Jesus and the teachings of Jesus, and then as the Holy Spirit arrives and as the Holy Spirit starts to move through the church, all of the Old Testament starts to be illuminated right before us. And Peter is giving us that illumination. And the Holy Spirit is enabling Peter to do that. So God's current activity makes sense of his past actions. Let me remind you specifically in the text of what this one might have been at the forefront of the minds of those hearing Peter. 
They were in the time of Passover. Now Passover marked Israel's freedom from Egypt. Fifty days later, the people came to Mount Sinai where they received the law of God and a whole new way of living. And so in this particular text, what is now going on parallel to what was happening in the Old Testament at the forefront of the mind of the people, Jesus died on Passover providing freedom from sin. Now, 50 days later, the Holy Spirit arrived and again brought a whole new way of living, empowered by the Spirit of God, empowered and led and taught in all truth, taught in all wisdom, given all comfort, led in this way as we begin to now follow God through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit when after in the Old Testament they had been following God, as you remember, according to the law, and they were following God literally by a pillar of fire by night and a pillar of smoke during the day. Well now all of that All of that needed, that pillar of fire and the smoke and and this kind of extreme idea. Now God says, I've been with my people. I've been among my people, but now I'm going to be in my people and I'm going to lead them from within. And so as we understand what's going on in Acts chapter 2, it brings light to all those past actions that God is doing. And I think this even plays into our personal lives because sometimes God, in our young days, working out our spirituality and becoming Christians and doing all of these things, even before we're Christians, there's some things in our life where we're actually asking, why are you doing this, God? What does all this mean? How does this make sense? And as life begins to unfold, as life begins to progress and you get a few years under your belt and then your younger days start to make a little more sense. Why did God have us move here and go there? Why did God have us go to this school and that school? Why did God have this relationship start and this relationship? And He ended that one and He closed this door. And all of these things that God does in your life and leaves you scratching your head thinking, why is God doing all these things? If you're a younger person today and you're living in the midst of all of these questions and you're thinking, well, why is God doing this and why is He doing that? Why does He allow some things? And it just tends to pull us away from what we thought God should be doing, I'm asking you to place your, fu- your faith in the fact that when God begins to unfold these truths to you, begins to fulfill His promises to you, where you are in chaos right now is going to make total sense if you continue to follow God and put your faith in Him and trust the leading of the Holy Spirit. And then the second observation is similar. The arrival of the Holy Spirit provided the power to speak See and dream in the midst of chaos in this new way of living. Because before they were basically, if you read, it seems kind of like their spirituality was pretty, if I could say without being blasphemous or irreverent, I could say that their, their, their spirituality was, was just somewhat routine. That year after year, the temple sacrifices and the feast and the festivals and just year after year and on and on and on. And I realize that some people find a great amount of comfort in those kinds of routines. But yet other people don't find comfort in those kinds of routines. And they, they think that, what, what am I, am I just going through the motions with God? Is He just giving me a list of things to do and I just do this list over and over and over and over again and I just keep checking off the list and then I, I, when I die I get to go to heaven? Is that Christianity? 
by no means. <laughs> when the Holy Spirit arrived, this new expression and this new way of living where God says through the prophet Joel that I will pour my spirit out to them and they will speak and they will see and they will dream all in the midst of this chaos. And if we, when, when life becomes chaotic, that's some of the things that start shutting down. We begin to get short-sighted. We stop dreaming. We stop speaking truth. And we just kind of crawl back into ourselves and become very timid. But when the Holy Spirit comes within us, He empowers us once again to begin to see and to begin to speak and to be able to dream big dreams and to go out and to do and accomplish the things that God has accomplished us to do. And here in this very moment in Acts chapter 2, the church in its infancy was going to have the power to become what God all along saw seeing it to become and planning it to become. And before we were even born, the Bible teaches us that God gives us specific missions in life, good works that he has planned for us to do, but yet if we do not remember the, the promises of God, and if we do not rely on the person of the Holy Spirit and filling us and empowering us, those dreams get smashed and shut down. But with the power of the Holy Spirit, we can once again begin to see and to speak and to dream. Throughout much of the Old Testament, God led His people through individuals. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, Joshua, David. All of these great men that God would use throughout history. And then Jesus shows up and He, he brings together those offices of prophet, priest, and king. They're no longer three individual people, but they're, they're brought together in Him. And then when He ascends into heaven and the Holy Spirit comes, the Holy Spirit gives gifts to us. And we then, as the people of God, each individual person, like a living stone, Peter says, come and is built up into a holy house. And it's no longer a hierarchy of individuals. It's now an army of individuals individuals and a mass of people moving forward in the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why Joel speaks in this way that all of these different divisions of people are now being empowered to speak the Word of God. And so now not, God does not lead the church through an individual. He leads the church through His Holy Spirit in filling the collective and together we form this mass body of Christ. A third observation is this, that the Holy Spirit empowers us to make sense of judgment and salvation. Without judgment and salvation, you don't have a gospel. And I know that it's very popular among many today to simply stay with the salvation part. God is going to save you. Well, save you like from what? From who? Well, what is going to happen in the course of human history? that we need to be saved from? What, what event, what, what activity is God going to do that we should be saved from? And that is the, the, the establishment of God's justice and righteousness when God judges sin and removes it. He said this is what God wants to do. He wants to judge sin and remove it. And He wants to save humanity and bring it unto Himself. That's what God wants to do. And He says He's pouring out His Spirit. And He's calling people unto Himself. For one day He will judge. He will judge sin. And He will remove it. And we can look at that and think how harsh or how brutal or how mean. But I don't think we really believe that. I think that we just say things like that. But when we really look at our own heart and we look at the collective... Uh, 
called humanity, we know that humanity is crying out for justice, crying out for it in all sorts of unhealthy and unproductive ways. But if there is one thing that people want today is crying out for justice, crying out for it in the courtrooms, in the political arena, and in the church, and crying out for fairness and equality and equity, and all of this shouting and clamoring among the people are all need to be spoken of by the power of the Holy Spirit. And without the Holy Spirit, all of this cry for justice will continue to be just that, a chaotic cry for justice. But until we understand that the gospel involves both judgment and salvation, and salvation only finds its meaning because God will judge, and His judgment will be final. Notice this language that... um, Peter quotes Joel as using. It's what often is referred to as apocalyptic language, even in some places, apocalyptic hyperbole. And there's a bunch of imagery. And this imagery was used throughout the Bible because what was being expressed to them and God filling them with was very difficult to put out in words. And so they used this language, this apocalyptic language. And that's what's taking place in verses 19 and 20. And the mention of all of these cosmic phenomena in these verses speak to and anticipate major change both physically and spiritually in the world. That that's what, Paul, that's what Joel was talking about when he prophesied this. He said when the Holy Spirit comes, there's going to be mass changes to everything and everywhere. This universal change. I mean, a whole new way of living. And he describes it in this way. Interestingly enough, these words, these wonders and signs, match many of the descriptions sounding, resounding around Jesus' death and resurrection. You can read it in Matthew 27 that a lot that, that Joel prophesies here was taking place among the death of Jesus. And so you can tell that God was doing and moving in these very world-changing, universe-changing ways. And so what do we do with this? I believe that the challenge becomes this based upon an application of this text is that now that each individual follower of Jesus can be filled with the Holy Spirit, the question becomes, how will you speak for God? I pray that it's reasonable. I pray that it's logical. I pray that it makes sense. It's coherent. I pray that that it's not boisterous and rude. I pray that it is all of the fruits of the Spirit flowing into you and out of you. And I pray that you take this opportunity in this time in history to ask God once again to fill you with His Spirit and empower you to speak reasonably into the lives of those that are around you. Father, we pray today that you would fill each listener with your Spirit. Even now, Father, as they are listening in their homes, in their cars, and wherever they are listening or watching today, that Father, you would fill them with your Holy Spirit and give them the ability to be your witnesses. Fill them with, your fruit of, with the fruit of your Spirit. And may it be evident in the words that they speak to those that are around them. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you next time.